welcome everybody. Recording in progress. And um, you know, and, and I want to thank all of you for coming out on this beautiful evening to, to enjoy a program uh, of Dean Williams. And um, I have some I have some things I just want to share about being before Bible and things that you may or may not know. Dean is no written here. <laughs> Dean is an ordained priest and teacher in the Southern Zen Buddhist lineage. He is also a certified Buddhist chaplain, and he is a guiding teacher of Crooked River Zen. Uh, he's a founding member of the Cleveland chapter of the Buddhist Peace Fellowship. I tried to find you, but I did see it big in other places. Um, you know, something that you like to do, your energy like to. Dean also leads, uh, one of the things he does is he does a lot of outreach programs and things. And one that fascinated me is that he's now leading a group at Whitehaven Men's Conditional Housing, uh, leading a meditation group. And um, so at the men, uh, Whitehaven Men's Conditional Housing and Treatment Center. And, you know, think of the joy and grace that these men are experiencing. The other piece to do is my favorite, and that is that he But Dean was elected to the Shady Brook Board of Trustees in 2010, the same time I was. And he served as a trustee until he retired from that position in 2021. During his years on the board, Dean was a guiding force leading Shady Brook to change for new opportunities. And while he um, is no longer holding the office of treasurer, he continues to serve as a financial and all over um, inspiration. So thank you. And uh, again, welcome to everybody. Uh, one of the things that I appreciate as well with you is that he loves death. And it is, you know, the gift that he has that he brings to us in a way that allows us to see the commonality and thread of music when created. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and actually, uh, this is the second time I've done this talk. actually my first 
interaction with Shady Brook is doing this program. It's some of it is the same because it's a program I have been doing back at that point in time pretty widely, especially at Unitarian Church. When I do that Sunday morning and somehow fit into what I have the gift of 90 minutes tonight to do, I try to fit it in like 30 minutes, which is really pushing. I have to push some arms to get that much time now to do a Sunday morning talk slash sermon. So I'm kind of part of it as far as the quotes go is some, some boilerplating because when I look back over it, this past Sunday, I, I dusted off, ready for, ready for, uh, for the stage once again. Uh, Donna, you know, this is good. Was pretty well put together, and and by that, what I, I really mean is the the weaving together of the Zen teachings and the quotes that I'll be sharing from very prominent jazz musicians and interspersed with all that will get to hear the music that I find uh, from my own experience with jazz is really, uh, it speaks to me very deeply in connection with this taproot of creativity is really the central theme is that this creativity, uh, we can think of it kind of like maybe the force in Star Wars land, that it runs through all things. That uh, what some people uh, would refer to God, some would say, well, that's creativity. In fact, uh, when I started doing it, uh, this guy's from the faculty of Harvard Divinity School, Gordon Kaufman. In the beginning, creativity. So it's kind of radical. You know, we think of God as creator, but actually it's creativity, it's activity. It's not a being. It's actually the, the creative force that runs through all things, including our, ourselves. When we let so the jazz musician would be uh, sampling for you tonight, definitely master the art letting it come through. And they also have the technical facility to let it come through in some very special ways. So the other a book that I found back when I was doing my deep dive into it, that I found really profoundly influential on me is the uh, 20th century physicist, spiritual guy, David Holm. Uh, he's one of the uh, most important uh, group of, of physicists to focus on quantum theory. I'll just read a short quote from, uh, from this text. 
on, on creativity. If you get stuck in a mechanical repetitious order, then you will degenerate. That is one of the problems that has grounded every civilization, a certain repetition. Then the creative energy gradually fades away. And that is why the civilization dies. Creativity is connected to art, science, religion, but also to every aspect of life. I think that fundamentally all activity is an art. That's exactly where I'm coming and the other two books that I'll, I'll lay out here just uh, to give credit to my uh, principal sources for these books. Uh, from the Zen side, uh, most of them come from John Dino Lurie, uh, who was the founder of Zen Mountain Monastery in eastern New York. And he wrote this book, The Zen of Creativity, Cultivating Your Artistic Life. A lot of the quotes come from this. And the jazz music uh, primarily come from this book, Music and the Creative Spirit. That sets the stage. Kick this off. I'll start with a quote from John Dino Lure, who says, Throughout our evolution as a species, creativity has sparked innovation in science, beauty, and the art, and revelation of religion. What David Bowman is talking about in the quote from his book. Every human life contains its seed and is constantly manifest, whether we're building a sandcastle, preparing Sunday dinner, painting a canvas, walking through the woods, or programming a computer. The creative process, like a spiritual journey, is intuitive, nonlinear, and experiential. It points us toward our essential nature, which is a reflection of the boundless creativity of the universe. Look at that. Reflection of the boundless creativity that's all around us. So get, get to uh, one of the uh, kind of classic Zen masters from, uh, from 8th century China. By chance, he asked, what is the essential import of the school? School, you know, is Zen. And Matsu said, it's just the place where you let go of your body and mind. That's an important phrase for Zen practitioners, letting go of self, body and mind, our sense of self, our ego. There's something substantial to the extent we act out of this substantial know itself. We're blocking our creation. And that's going to be a threat that runs through 
uh, whole evening. So with that, we're ready to get into the musical piece of this. And the first artist I want to share with you actually isn't the jazz musician. Her name's uh, Gabriela Montero. And she's a Venezuelan classical pianist who back, I think this recording was from about 2005, she was uh, really became quite well known as one of the few classical musicians who's very at home with improvisation. That used to be commonplace going back to the broken and Bach, uh, master it. Going up to Mozart, Beethoven, uh, to Chopin, Liszt, and many others. But they all built in improvisation into many of their works. But that's sadly been lost. But Gabriela Montero kind of took it on herself to, to reintroduce it. So this CD that we're going to hear a sample from tonight is actually titled Bach and Beyond. So it's it's a selection of pieces by Bach. And uh, before we get into the actual music, I want to share with you just a, a short quote from her that describes her perspective, what's going on when she's playing or what's not going on. He says, the freer I am, the more complex the improvisation becomes. So the point is to get rid of the ego and the interference from my brain. Not thinking. As soon as you start thinking about it, you've exited the realm of creativity. Now you're trying to craft from a blueprint that you have. This is what it should be. But the freer she is, free of all those preconceived notions, that's when the richness can actually come through and manifest. So the first thing we're going to listen to is the original scoring of uh, Bach's Air in G minor. From this suite number three, which uh, Paul is going to play just, just a bit of to kind of ingrain it. It's a familiar melody, uh, so I think you're probably all right. <laughs> Thank you. 
Thank <laughs> you. 
Between jazz and conversation, but jazz is structured, 
from the center and practicing Zen Buddhism. Um, yeah, I mean, what is that out there? What, um, what, what, what linkages do you make? Yeah, and and the quote I, I read from uh, Dino talking about the form, the ritual, the way if if you uh, go into a, a, a Zen center, a temple, and I mean, ours is kind of uh, not very formal. Uh, I practiced at San Francisco Zen Center, which would be considered like high church. It's very formal. Uh, so. They have very strict rules and procedures that, that are followed for almost every uh, And maybe to put it in, into a, a different context to help, help explain it is, and this is true for us as well. And our own kind of home temple is Chikoji Zen Center in, uh, in California, in Santa Cruz Mountain. So when we go there to do a, a week long which we do once a year when there is a pandemic going on. Uh, the entire day or the entire week is structured. It's not like there's free time. We think, well, you know, then probably you know, two to six in every afternoon. Read poetry and walk nature and do something. And the whole thing. Structured, lots of sitting meditation, walking meditation. Meals are in silence except for the chanting that takes place. And that's very ritualized. We have a set of three Orioki bowls that we receive the food in, and we clean those bowls ritualistically at the end of the meal. And then we tie them up in the linens, and it's ready for the next. So for six consecutive days, that's, that's what we're eating at. You eat everything in the bowl and you clean it. So that's very good. There's work practice. So that, that becomes meditation within that structure. So the whole day is structured. And it sounds like, oh my God, it's like being in prison. Who would want to go and do that? For? But that structure is actually creating the framework to feel experience liberation within all that. To people that don't practice, it sounds nonsensical. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> How could that be? That's impossible. But no, it's actually not. I, I feel much deeper experiences of liberation than if I just stayed at home in a completely free day. Don't get me wrong, I love those too. But having the structure that I don't have to worry about what I'm going to eat, what I'm going to eat, what I'm going to do next, it's all. So does the structure then lead to creativity? It does, it can. I mean, is it dissolving in the ego? Those things that get in the way of flow, freedom, uh, and right. so forth, like the poetry of the you know, you have to get into this flow, but there's a structure also in that flow. I mean, there's four progressions, mm -hmm. and there's keys, and so right. I'm just trying to get the yeah, because there's structure throughout our life. I mean, there couldn't be life with this. Every uh, biologist 
and Dion from Actium. He introduces a term that kind of comes to Zen by way of Taoist. The term Wu Wei is the Chinese uh, term of it, and it means effortless effort. This activity without the sense of self. It's when we have our sense of self that we feel like, but if self is dropped out of the mind, it's just the act. The music is playing. Meditation, the zazen, just yeah. You know, we describe the practice of zazen in our tradition is just sitting. You're a jazz musician, you're just playing. Just like the playing, the sitting, the walking, the park somewhere, it literally it's, it fills your entire world at that moment. There's nothing in You're just walking, or whatever the case may be. There's no privilege activity. It's all coming from this. Dido says about this in Wu Wei, the mind is silent and the work is allowed to express itself. Whatever that work whatever it is we're doing, whatever we're engaged in. And another artist who uh, has had a long affiliation with Mach. Paul Nielsen Love, a drummer in Norway, kind of amplifies on this a bit. He says, the music comes from the situation you're in, with the people that you're with, and the place that you're at. Everything affects the music. And you just have to tell the story of that time, of that day, and of your life. See, the magical thing is, this isn't just talking about the music. He's <laughs> talking about everything. We bring bring our whole life to it. And then it's it, it's interwoven with this situation. Yeah. Now. And because of the stillness of Zen, we can actually be present with and aware of this situation. Here. So we can bring our whole life wholeheartedly rather than with the mind that's not in silence, you know, the thoughts are bouncing around. And we're not here sitting in this space of my life, which is exactly what happened with. What I find to be the deepest of art, such as And I think that's a person is my favorite trumpet player, Dave Douglas. The CD is Dada. People. So it's got Man Ray and <laughs> Salvador. But Dave says, in the moment of performance, you're not thinking about any one thing. You're trying to represent everything, whatever 
comes forth here, you're just this uh, vehicle. Every part of your experience from birth to that moment. Realize that's what's happening. We're not making it. That's what is happening. Is we bring all of it with us. And then, lastly, set the stage for our next musical piece. Uh, a bassist, William Parker, who's also done a lot of kind of cutting edge free jazz work. He says, uh, there are musicians from Africa who talk about healing drums, drum which I know Shade and how the shaman heals its music as it heals its This just has a long history. This isn't something or unique lessons. If you are one with you are really not controlling it because it's doing what it wants to do. And you're doing what you want to do, but you are one. And he says, John Coltrane was very spontaneous and relied on and gave the musicians a lot of freedom. He didn't speak very much, but was really into the power of spontaneity and trusting the musicians. In the same way that you can be lighthearted, but very serious. Know that all the music during every day and every second of your life is very, very important. It's all very soon. It's being lived in and with in a very lighthearted way. That's not a conflict, but very serious. So that sets the stage for my, my favorite jazz musician. And this is also a standard tune, but I don't need to play the original here. Because I, I trust it very firmly ingrained in everybody's mind. So you don't need a reference. Thank uh -huh. 
He lived in for a considerable time. There was a drive a number of years ago to preserve it, kind of like a, a museum, uh, music. And this elementary uh, student introduced her class to his music, with what you just heard. And these kids, they fled. <laughs> <laughs> They they mounted a fundraising <laughs> kids for culture. <laughs> it was the coolest thing because he touched them very deeply, and I get that. I get that totally. Actually, Zen teacher Dido, who says that we tacitly believe that when we've got a name for something, we know the power of words. Again, it's going back to this thing about defining, creating objects. Then we can control them. Energy is a little harder to control. You know, trying to get wrapped around that, but you turn into something by naming. And then once we know, I know we stop noticing it. We stop paying attention. We know it. We pay it. We don't need to pay attention. So this is what doesn't here. Each artist expresses through his her unique way of experiencing life, which is the essence of creation. So the next piece I wanted to share with you is different. From what we've been looking at, because up till this point, we've been looking at standard tunes and improvisation based on that. This next piece is going to be very improvised, and it's not based on any, just this piano sitting down. We wrote some liner notes for this two CD uh, 
recording of the concert today. Uh, it says uh, most listeners of my past solo concerts will be momentarily at least shocked at the initial absence of melodic or even motivic concept. The material seemingly unmotivated by any concept at all. This is not an act. I didn't want any premature resolution. How we arrive at profound thought has a lot to do with what we aren't thinking before. Then, <laughs> looking for the intersection between Ben and Jazz. Perfect thought. How we arrive at profound thought has a lot to do with what we aren't thinking before. And I had in mind letting some of the music happen to me without sitting there using talk. I wanted my hand, especially the left hand, to tell me tricks. This is part of the process I wanted to experiment. And this next statement is really profound. He says, transformative moments are very rare. Or they seem so due to our inattention. It takes so many processes to coincide just so for us to arrive at a transformative moment. This we want. But maybe this is wrong. It may happen constantly. But we are apt. <laughs> now that that's a truth, and that resonates. With this gentleman. The universal always We're just not awake. Uh, Buddha seems awakened to wake up to see that. Or awakening. So awakening has to happen in the moment. People have this notion that, well, it's a state, it's a thing. Attain enlightenment, awakening, Buddhahood. And that's how you got it. It's a continuous thing. But it's always in this moment. So this piece we're going to hear, and this goes on not quite as long as uh, my favorite things, my cold thing, goes on longer than we stay with it. Before Warren will have to lose, but uh, it's about over 13. This is, uh, I, I've sold quite a few CDs for him. When I do this presentation, just to set you up, this is usually the one that really grabs people the most. Keith Jarrett, he's phenomenal. Thank you. 
radio. Joshua says, just making sure that whenever you do step up to the mic as a player, step up on the bandstand, you're there in the moment trying to play what you feel in the moment. Again, this applies to all of us. We're always stepping up to the mic, stepping on the stage with all of our activities. Be there in the moment. That's the challenge. And that's the inspiration. Yeah. And he says to harken back to something we were talking about earlier. He says, I think it's quite possible to have a tremendous degree of internal freedom in a contact with some external boundaries. In fact, I think some of the most creative and free music often takes place within spectrum parameters. <laughs> Not just freedom for freedom. Dido says, each one of us is already an artist, whether we realize it or not. Enjoying the creative process is a way of getting up to this truth. And to let it function in all areas of our lives. When you learn to trust yourself, listen. You no longer need to prove something in your art, in your activity. You simply allow it to come out. Be as it is. This is when creating art becomes effort. This was before the next quote from Marilyn Cristel. <laughs> Evening with Marilyn Cristel and Carmen Cristel. He's been to Cleveland one time. <laughs> I, I kind of like, I was a huge fan of her. When was that? What's that? When was that? Oh. I'm going to 
She was uh, dead. Yes. Being able to pick her up from the airport, dinner with her. So here's her <laughs> To perceive life as art and everything in life as the teacher. People tend to make a separation between those in the art and other people. And I feel that's the point. Anybody can have an awareness to look at life as art, whatever it is. Anything that you do can be art if it's done with a particular kind of awareness. An awareness that you think looking at from all these different things. Amplifying that same thought. Uh, another basis, Dave Holland. He says the world is demanding us to be creative at every moment. Demanding in the situation to be so we don't have to only look for creativity on a large scale or only in music. It's there always. We just need to awaken. And then one more uh, quote from Dave Douglas, that trumpet player. There is a basic misunderstanding about the creative process that sees it as separate from the rest of human activity, like some sacred, unattainable ideal. This is false. There is creative creativity in everything. So, with that, Impossible that just you shouldn't even start it. <laughs> this is Sonny Rollins. Uh, and one of my favorite jazz critics, Gary Giddens, has this to say from the liner notes to, to this piece of science. Road shows volume one been several volumes uh, after this. I remember when I picked this up and I popped this outside my way down to uh, Mansfield, the leader's Zen group down there. I love to pop this in. And this is the open top. And I, I mean, I'd seen Sonny three times. I was very familiar with Sonny Rollins. After this, that <laughs> was unbelievable. So Gary says his concert performances have become musical seances that transcend jazz, much as an open air performance of Beethoven's Ninth transcends classical music. 
He achieves a secular spirituality that creates for the audience member pure pleasure and emotional catharsis. Rollins has observed that one cannot improvise and think at the same time. His entire career can be viewed as the passage to an inexpressible perfection. In concert, Sonny pursues the thin line between beauty and danger, the danger of the unknown. I mean, he is. <laughs> he knows no fear. He's, he's out there. In concert, a nearly irrational, spontaneous magic is permissible. And it begins the CD with a tour de force. Sonny runs through the 12 bar framework, an incredible 35 times, playing the full range of the horn, doubling down on the time, bump, shifting accents, and careening into a full stop. <laughs> <laughs> because normally, you know, Sonny, they, they He's got a band of maybe seven musicians, and they take solo. This one, there's no other solo. They set the theme. It's, it's actually a, an older composition study well. So it's, it's based on a composition. And then he just takes that basic theme, and in the style of the Mozart, of the Bach, he always, this is one of the hallmarks of study well. He never loses sight of the basic melody. You will hear it throughout. So pay close attention in the opening before he really takes off. Because that's going to be the whole foundation. But the rest of it is pure sight. <laughs> so let's, let's have that. Thank you. 
exit music for <laughs> I had to bring three of the captains, three artists who were all performers at the stage program. Joe Lovano was beautiful. Actually, the flyer, this gorgeous flyer, was designed by Joe's wife. Wow. <laughs> Musical art. <laughs> Explorations, reflections, and meditation on the moment of now through sound and stillness. <laughs> yeah, this was Joe Lovano and Carmen Castaldi, were on this stage, along with three other noteworthy musicians, including Joe's wife, Judith. Photos here from the stage of the Queen Buddhist Temple. Joe on uh, saxophone with his wife yeah. over on the other side of the stage. Carmen on drums and a local musician, uh, Aiden Plain. I have a question. Yeah. Are you, are you a musician on the line? No, you're not. Obviously, I appreciate it. So very much of you. So we're we're making this analogy between Zen and jazz. And, and more importantly, our everyday life. Well, the neuro ones. Yes. Okay. But that's the that's the genre. Let's say in practice. So this is something I'm between them. Uh, can can you get the same level of transcendence playing classical music? And how would that be? Where's the analogy there? Because one, it's extraordinarily fixed. There's no improvisation in Tchaikovsky's language, or less, less, you know, I, almost none. It would be negligible, and today it would be found upon because everyone would lose away, maybe including Nick and I. So I mean, if Zen is, is that, you know, living in the now, the moment, that journey. Um, how would classical music? Well, I think classical has more structure, but with it again coming back to this sense that within the structure, liberation can be found there. It doesn't. It doesn't preclude that. In fact, I would say that the the, the, the better the musician, the less constrained the the constraint comes from trying to, to play it right. Mm -hmm. And that becomes the problem. So it can certainly become a problem in classical music in terms of, of uh, the conductor. But then that's true in jazz. I mean, you could have uh, a band leader or even just an ensemble leader who's really kind of uh, wants it done his way, as opposed to someone like a Miles Davis, who's kind of like a prototypical jazz ensemble leader who wants each musician to be themselves. So you can cover that spectrum in jazz, in in classical, and I've had the privilege to sit in on a number of rehearsals uh, to see uh, various conductors, uh, 
going back to one of my favorites was Christoph Barkov Sonia. He was really a to be able to, to have the orchestra, you might say, breathe rather than be really so tight that it, it becomes kind of off putting. Oh, yeah, I mean, he's eliciting, you know, he's doing his best to precisely. So he's providing the direction, right? But it's there's he wants the musician. So let me ask you this <clears throat> Is there anything that you've read that would be the same equation of? Jazz to Zen as classical music to Zen. I mean, that really is what I, I guess that's my question. So, what is the, I mean, jazz I can understand, but it is really half of that though, right? But it's permanently instruction. I just watched a little clip the other day, I don't know, episode from NPR, he did that. And who oh, I never heard of actually until about, I don't know, six months ago. But they were asking about creativity. And he said, you know, the guy's incredible. It's up on stage and he says, let's go. Mm -hmm. And he said, it's, so he said, when did you begin, you beginning to be this uh, creative musician when you were in the years? He goes, no. He said, it was, it took me 10 or 15 years to get to the point where I said, the quote was, it's craft, 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 craft. And keep creative a little, creativity will follow itself. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, I mean, that, that in and of itself is just really revealing of the necessity of building a base. I mean, Sonny Rollins, I mean, who is like, uh, he's really following the structure. He's changing that, you know, the chord progression there. And he's making those beautiful changes because he's within that structure. So I, I kind of get it with Sam and jazz. I just can't get it with classical music. And that, I mean, just, you know, I know that Dominic does see that. I'm just so curious about it. And put him in one of those scratches. Rich, I couldn't quite scratch. Do you know anybody who's written about the analogy between classical music being? Well, one, one person that comes to mind, if he's not your typical classical guy, it would be John Cage. He was very <laughs> impacted by Zen. So when, so just when you're talking about classical, you're talking about structure. Mm -hmm. So maybe no one has written about it because it, you know maybe there's an obvious point to you know the obvious point to me is because when you do something so structured, you allow that you let yourself go, and you just allow yourself to go with you allow yourself to be one with the music. And so a classical pianist, a classical whatever, they just they find that oneness through the structure, you know, they practice, practice, practice. But again, given the, the leader who allows them to be, you know, or or in their own in their own practice, there is that sense of oneness that is present when someone can truly appreciate that they're sitting down to play a piece for the sake of playing, for the sake of the music, for the sake of the um. I don't know, but I mean, that would be my my thing. Maybe nobody else. Scott, I hope you don't mind chiming in here because Scott is a practitioner of that. You know, one thing that comes to mind is the fellow I studied with who was working on his doctorate, and I was studying with since completed that 
that he says that uh, he never plays, even when he's playing Bach, you know, the notes are all written out. He says he never does it the same way. Mm -hmm. And before he performs, he doesn't know how it will come out, mm -hmm. what he will do. It's very spontaneous, despite all this underlying structure. Mm -hmm. So it's not that different to the, what you brought up about the chord structures the Sully Rollins was using. Uh, to actually in classical music, even having all the notes written out. Mm -hmm. It's a small jump from a chord structure to having the notes. It's more about the immediacy. Yeah, I kind of think that. I mean, I think we say um, classical music and sometimes there's almost a phrase odd and they get a little soft rhythm. And I, one thing I noticed, I haven't studied that uh, really, but I noticed everything. Is and that, I mean, that was like a structure. And with all of that stuff and all this information, it it, it that structure right there, you know, and the, the structure of the 4-4 rhythm, and it was really interesting to me to hear everything that they did around that, mm -hmm. almost, mm -hmm. almost like, you know, just been caught here, and you've got this kind of place where you're trapped, and then you just move around it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. so that was really interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, just very different genres. I mean, that's yeah. what I'm thinking. And uh, anyway, I yeah, like they, they have a lot of interplay. Too, I don't know. Yeah, there is, but there isn't. I mean, Keith Jarrett, I've got, uh, he also plays organ. I have an al album of his with organ music. I have uh, an album of his with a classical violinist doing Mozart, a sonata for violin. <laughs> Uh, you know, and of course, with Marsalis, uh, when he first broke on the scene, he did a much acclaimed that recording of Haydn's trumpet. So, here's going back to George Gershwin. I guess it's just a finite class of music versus jazz. To me, there's been such a difference uh, in their modus operandi. They're so dramatically different. I'm just, my question to myself is how does you know, it seems to be quite easy to find Zen in jazz because that nature of letting go. Mm -hmm. I think it's less obvious to me, at least, of finding that same quality in classical music where everything is so prescribed. And, and then it gets into uh, an interpretive element. I mean, if you've ever been to a piano competition, you know, you've got wonderful pianists there. And you've got a panel of judges who are teachers from all over the world. And you ask yourself, how in God's name are you going to pick out a winner? Because you're all so brilliant playing with the band. And you know what? I actually asked a panel one time, I said, How do you do this? And I said, Well, you know, it's duck. You know, it's something that we are hearing at a different level. So that's, you know, that's a, a certain level of achievement. But they have got to be there. They have to have all that skill, all the skill set. Those judges to be able to make those kind of discriminating differences between somebody who's just playing the notes. As opposed to creating music but to the, the layman. I mean, could I sit there and I've listened to classical music all my life and make that kind of discrimination? No. I just, you know, my curiosity is just it always struck me that jazz and Zen sort of had this interlocking connection. 
I didn't, you know, I just tried to understand it. But how does that manifest itself in something that's as prescribed as classical music? Anyway, you ever come up with something? I'm it up nicely when you just kind of compared our Zen Center here in town with the one in the San Francisco, that's more structured, you know, that. Uh, uh, what was I going to say? <laughs> um, you know, so the structured one, the San Francisco, would be what you're thinking of as classical. But then within there, what what do they do that goes beyond the structure or makes it the experience unique or whatever? Yeah, and I don't know that. Yeah. The, um, it's what you're the picture you're painting of classical makes it sound like uh, what what they're doing with Broadway shows just just have a recording you know you don't even need it live you don't need the living breathing musicians I'm not saying that I'm just well I think but but it's kind of almost 